Hi, I'm Tim, and welcome back to It Doesn't Look Good, brought to you by Hope Against Hope. If you haven't had a chance to check out our website yet, you might not know that we sell t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts with our logo on them. You can find all of our merchandise at hopeagainsthope.com. And while you're there, consider making a tax-deductible donation as well. I'm so excited that you've joined us today as I talk to my good friends, Andre and Sandy, about how fully surrendering to God allows us to have peace in any situation. I love these two a lot, and I hope their story will help to teach you to live a fully surrendered life, even when you want to be in control. So without further ado, here's the episode. Our story begins in 2016. Andre had a contract in the outskirts of Washington, D.C. I had just had our third baby. He was two weeks old when we traveled the 17 hours. Yeah. (laughs) And so we're in a new city. Andre's on a new job. We don't have family. We don't have friends. Uh, He has a few acquaintances at work. And Isaiah is, he's, you know, normal newborn. Um, And then about 11 weeks in, maybe 10 weeks in, I'm not healing from having my third child. And things are so stressful at work that at one point we're kind of even deciding whether we should check it out or not. But inwardly, I just felt like God was pushing me to check it out. I've, yeah. I've felt him throughout life, that sweet, soft voice. And so I recognized it and I thought, okay. There's a precedent for it. Yes. Like you've experienced this in the past and yes. like you know the voice of God, you know what he sounds like and you just feel that urge and that almost pushing. Yes. To... That warm, fatherly, hey, let's yeah. go do this. So I went to a doctor and she said, well, you're pregnant. And I was like, no, I'm not pregnant. I can't be pregnant. I have 11 week old at home. Um, and also at this time I have a, well, I, we have a three-year-old and a two-year-old. So three kids under four. So then I was frustrated because this first doctor didn't have the equipment to even uh, do an ultrasound. So she sent me to someone else, and I almost canceled that appointment because Andre had to take off work, and it was just, we had no one, like, to help us out. So it was just, it was a little bit hard. (laughs) But again, I felt like, I felt that voice say, we need this. Yeah. So went to the second doctor, and uh, basically I had to have a DNC. There was retained tissue and this was two weeks before Thanksgiving in 2016. I go about our business. We get a phone call on a Friday afternoon. It was late, so by the time I even listened to a voicemail, that was too late to even call the office back, but basically our doctor said, hey, we got your biopsy back and I need you to make an appointment as soon as possible. If they say I'm booked, tell them I say I need to see you. So. Have a good weekend. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> uh, to benefit <clears throat> this this guy, he's like 
the sweetest, probably retired man by now. Like most aloof. Yes. <laughs> oddest voicemail ever. But I was like, biopsy. Oh my goodness. What is what is this? So there was fear that set in immediately. Of course. Yeah. And then we had some time to think about it because their office was closed. And we just kind of, we came in together to this meeting and he just started talking and he was throwing all of this information at us, uh, telling us about choriocarcinoma. And the first thing that I caught on to was carcinoma. I'm like, carcinoma, that's cancer, right? But I think we just were hit with shock. So he spoke for probably 20 minutes and at the end, I stopped him and I collected myself and I was like, so this is cancer, right? I mean, we didn't, I didn't personally hear anything that he had said besides carcinoma. Right. As I feel like that's natural. You hear anything cancer ish and that's, you just latch onto it and the rest is womp, 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 womp. Exactly. Very muffled and you just don't because your brain is running away. Yeah. Yeah. And to echo Sandy's his first impression, it, was, it felt like he wasn't even, again, like he wasn't even clarifying what's going on. He was just the sweetest man, the sweetest doctor trying to trying to explain something that it almost sounded like he was explaining it on behalf of somebody else or like, you know, this is happening to somebody else. That's how it felt to me. Yeah. So then we were like, like literally like, so what, what was going on? Like, and I think we had to ask, you know, like, so is it cancer? Like what, I mean... It just seems so unreal. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? I mean, we just, she's thirty, you know, just thirty year old. She just had a baby. What are you talking about? Yeah. So it felt crazy uh, at that moment. But then, yeah, just with his, the most gentlest smile and on the look, and he's like, "Yes, it's, it's cancer." That's when the, that's when kind of like, I guess everything fell, mm-hmm. the the floor. Mm-hmm. The world stopped spinning. Yeah, so we came back, and actually, one of our, my husband's colleagues, his wife, watched our kids when we went to this appointment. And we came back, and I remember Andre, like, he just, he just like closed up, you know? And, and both of us, we were still in shock. We were like, what is this? What are we doing? We actually had to call the doctor back to ask what type of cancer it was. Yeah. Like we didn't even know. Um, and then we had to research it. Yeah. So I couldn't, I was not able to get on Google and the doctors told us, don't Google, don't Google it. Do yourself a favor. Don't Google it. I was not able to, I can't, I couldn't have brought myself to do, to do the research. So any research that was done had to be done by family members. I just couldn't do it myself. Gotcha. Yeah. So we, um, I think that was Tuesday before Thanksgiving when we mm-hmm. officially got the news that you have choriocarcinoma. It is one out of over 600,000 people that have yeah. it, but it is very receptive to uh, chemo. So that was our kind of like shining moment in the darkness I do remember our doctor he was so kind he was like you know I've had one other lady that has had this 
and um, he's like, you're going to beat it. And I said, I mean, it was almost like you just put on your, like, your shield. You put on your army uniform, you know, you mm-hmm. put on the battle equipment, and you just, I just kind of just turned a switch and was like, yes, we're going to be okay. Like, I know, because I have a loving father. So that was kind of the switch for me. But when we got home, Andre, for about four days, like he just closed in, and um, that was really hard on him. He's, I've never seen him cry except for on our wedding day and when our children were born. And it's really, I think during those four days, it was because it's Thanksgiving yeah. holiday, so we were trying to get things going, but he, like we just, things were completely out of our hands at this point. Like we, sure. we thought we had control over our lives and then here cancer hits and everything's closed down because of the holidays. You can't even get, you know, get things rolling. And yeah, so it hit, it hit him hard first, I think. And I just went into kind of battle mode, take charge. Like we're going to start doing what we can do. Yeah. Read, read the, pathetic between the lines that's how it felt i was just this is it she's gonna die and it's gonna be me with these three babies I, I felt <laughs> what i'm gonna do i felt so I was, selfish i felt yeah i was the most selfish in a way no i'm saying man no but i was i mean that feels like i felt more sorry for i don't know what i was feeling sorry for for her dying or for me being by myself or for the babies or for the world you know the world is gonna miss out on this great woman so it was it was definitely it definitely felt like the world just stopped spinning at that moment and it was like a matrix moment like i have no idea what's going on it just felt so real walking and yeah it was holiday season so looking all these people happy like Mm -hmm. Like wow, I'm like, am I in a different universe? Yeah, because like that's not how I feel. I don't feel happiness right now. And, right, you know, and just yeah, it was surreal. Yeah. Surreal. So I actually was saying I felt selfish because oh, yeah. I am one of five children. So we wanted a big family, and we were at number three. So I was like, oh, what if something happens to me? I left him with three kids. And so that was still the uh, stage of fear. And so kind of working through the stages, he had his four days of, of uh, self-pity. <laughs> and then finally I was like, okay, this is it. We gotta, we gotta start, you know, like fighting. This is our fight time. So I guess um, from here. Yeah, start getting scheduled, mm-hmm. scheduled appointments. I- I felt like I needed to go back to work just to, because I couldn't just be home. Some normalcy. Normalcy, decent normalcy. It's hard to get out of that self-pity without forcing yourself to do something normal. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember the self-pity and the, like, why me? Why us? Why, like, God, what are you doing? And, you you know, I remember you saying... You look out and you see all the happy people because it's the holiday season and you're like, well, why am I going through this? But they get to be happy. Like, I remember that. You have to do something normal to get out of that. Like, you have to get back to the kind of your, they say new normal, like just learning to survive with this diagnosis or Mm -hmm. this, whatever the issue is, like just learning how to live 
with that also. So Absolutely. I remember that. And I didn't, to me, it was, I felt like, I felt like we were invisible, you know, to certain yes. degree when you were yeah. young and everything was going for us, it seemed like. And, and I actually like to describe this whole story as the best, worst case that happened to the us, to me specifically. Uh, I feel like I learned the most from this whole experience. Yeah. And, but let's stay on track, Tim, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> So we come back from the holidays. We're allowed to start scheduling things. The one thing that I remember, my desire was that that God would get credit for our story. So I had a big prayer that I would be healed before I ever had any chemo. Yeah. And, and I knew that was that was something, but I stuck with it. I was like, okay, God, this is my prayer that I would be healed before I have one dose of chemo. So my husband, on the other hand, was kind of taking charge, doing what he could do. He is originally from Eastern Europe. So we were trying to get appointments scheduled. Yeah, for those of you who are wondering what the <laughs> accent was, Eastern Europe. There you go. <laughs> right. Ukraine. Ukraine. Uh. So I'm praying. I'm at home praying, and my husband is out and about buying chocolates because that's what you do in Ukraine. Like you buy, you buy wines and you buy chocolates when you want someone Fancy to. Fancy chocolate. Yes. So he would go, we would, we'd go into this oncology uh, wing and he, we couldn't get any appointments and we felt the urgency because this cancer is very aggressive. And I was on the cusp of going from, I forgot how they staged it, but basically right at 12 weeks and my son is 11 weeks old. Uh, right at 12 weeks, it it just transforms into a monster, and it's so hard to get under control. So we're at 11, like 11 weeks, 11 and a half weeks, and he is bribing sweet ladies, sweet receptionists with chocolate for an earlier appointment. So we I can, love that. <laughs> so we can start chemo. <clears throat> Let's just say it was good that they took the the candy. Because <laughs> there were there were other plans. It was plan A. <laughs> So. You never know the Eastern Europeans. You never know. That's right. <laughs> Kill them with a smile. But get ready. So we start that journey with getting things set up. The most amazing part, and the reason that at the beginning I told you that we were we were in D.C., the outskirts of D.C., is that in seven years at this point, seven years of marriage, we have moved all over the United States. And I feel like God led us here and he already had his hand on this entire journey, this entire cancer journey, because this sweet doctor that we saw the first time just happened to transfer me to another doctor that just happened to know a connection to the leading researcher on choriocarcinoma. So even though I'm wow. on the yeah the outskirts of D.C., my oncologist who knows nothing about this type of cancer has a direct connection to uh, Dr. Berkowitz, which is out of Harvard. And so we kind of got to see all the pieces come together during even during the journey. We just felt like this was it was so blessed, and that gave me comfort as a child of God that that everything was going to be okay. Like the fear slowly subsided and I just, I had the fight mode on and then I just felt like he was, 
he was two steps ahead of us you know every everything was working out everything was happening and even though when you get a cancer diagnosis like time stops yeah things take forever even if it's you know only a day looking back we went from a diagnosis to our first my first treatment in two weeks which is amazing but also you know I can't ignore the fact that we had the ear of literally the main researcher of the type of cancer that I have that one out of over 600,000 people get I mean that's just it's amazing lots of chocolate yeah (laughs) it's amazing it's a god it's a god thing yeah for sure um so so what was that like you know having the ability to directly ask the person who knows the answer or if you know if somebody's gonna know the answer it's gonna be this guy does that set you at ease are you at least a little bit more hopeful Mm -hmm. having his ear sure yeah so to me that was just affirmation that god's hands were on our situation that he had uh, prepared the way for us and um, i just felt this is probably one of the first times in my life that I felt like I was in a complete bubble of God's of God's grace and peace. I remember moments of just kind of sitting on our apartment floor. Again, we have three infants at home, so most mamas will know that that's not always a peaceful place to be. Right, sure. And I would just put headphones on and listen to Christian music, and I just felt God so powerfully and so strongly it was almost like being in a protective bubble, protective force field. Yeah. Like the world could have been up in flames outside of that little bubble. And I just felt so at peace. And that gave me, I think that gave me strength. Uh, I think it also bled over into Andre because I think he could sense that. And that was helping him kind of lean on that because he's a, he's a strong man that has kind of spent our marriage protecting us and taking care of us. And here we're in a, a moment where he's not in control anymore. And he's, you know, he can't protect me. He can't secure my future with his own hands. So that was just a beautiful time where also I'd, I'd I'd put stuff on Facebook asking for prayers. Sure. And, And I had, strangers speaking God's word back to me and I remember thinking this is what the body of Christ feels like like I don't even know these people and they are praying for me and they are speaking words that I just feel when I read them I would read them over and over again I just feel so much of God's peace and love for me through a complete stranger's words so that was incredible as well to be able to really see the body of Christ work through complete strangers yeah, but but Tim, to pivot back to your question about the how it felt to know the answer from the doctor. Yeah, the reality is, and I'm sure a lot of listeners will um, agree that it can be a roller coaster. Yeah, because you can go from one appointment to another, and things can change. Mm-hmm. And for us, obviously, the this uh, amazing doctor was a pinnacle of our uh, journey and research, trying to find the the best treatment. But, but until that point. We had we had family members and some friends that did their own research and they talked directly to other oncologists and it was answers as far as as dark as just be ready for her to be gone you know because uh, to the internet is full of kind of, of all kinds of answers so that it was a 
in terms of like logical knowledge, it was scary. It was a roller yeah. coaster, and each appointment from one scan to MRI to a next test, it just felt like, okay, what, what, what's next? What's next? You know, and ultimately, well, we had another even we had another doctor from another very uh, fi- uh, big name hospital, uh, Hopkins, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I don't I don't feel like he he took us that seriously and he didn't give us much reassurance um, but ultimately it was a good it was all good lesson at least for me personally because you can you can have the best knowledge you can have the best ex- expertise and God will be the ultimate healer God will be the ultimate comforter God will be the hand the healing hand that you need and it just took me forever uh, i feel like she got to that point a lot faster than i did they always do <laughs> they always do <laughs> um but yeah tell me this she said that you have spent your entire marriage and then the entire lifetime of the children protecting them and being their shield against things and then in this moment you have no control you don't have the ability to protect her or the kids. You don't have the ability to fix the situation. So as that person fulfilling that role as protector, what's going through your head of just the hopelessness or not hopelessness, but just the inability to be that, to fulfill that role now? Man, I mean, the deep question for sure and all I could think sometimes about is the the songs about life being a sandcastle and it just everything just got washed away from me the, I felt like I was building my foundation definitely on the wrong place I, I thought that I was doing it in the, uh, was building on the right foundation but the reality is that I didn't because in, in that moment that's when all the pain points came out in that moment I figured out Look, in everything where I was putting my faith in, whether it's a career, whether it's a situation, whether it's a geography, anything, age, health, it all was at the brink of possibly going away. The life would yeah. change. So how did it feel? It was panic. It was, oddly enough, sometimes in the past I would think, like, what would happen to me? What would, like, what would I do? Would I become, would I become alcoholic? I mean, just... The, the mind can be crazy, right? And, yeah. And I was like, what would happen to me? And But you know what? Uh, somehow I felt like just God took me as a little puppy by the, <laughs> by just, by in, with his hands. And, and as much as I was trying to panic and maybe even self-destruct, he just surrounded me with a bubble of just comfort and like, you know what? It's going to be just fine. It's yeah. going to be just fine. I remember at some one of the highlights praying with one of the most amazing guys that I met. Um, he was just on the phone with me, and I was, I was just on the knees crying like crazy, and I just felt God's almost like a fire. And yeah. and even though logically I was still be, trying to believe doctors, and like, well, hold on, you know, I need to let's wait for this test, come back, you know. <laughs> my soul my heart was it was it was comforted in such a way that it was just like no other in that particular moment so i love that so it was 
I don't know if that answers your question, but I was a mess. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. that's you've both now have said that you and you use this specific term, like a bubble mm-hmm. of comfort, and I think it's important. And I'm gonna maybe this might be a, might be putting you on the spot a little bit, but I think it's important to ask for maybe some of the listeners who don't understand what that means. It seems to be a common thread here on this podcast. All of my guests, myself included, when I was a guest, have talked about this peace and this comfort that surpasses all understanding. What, for you guys, did that feel like? What explained to me maybe some certain instances or some certain just times where you felt that comfort when it shouldn't have been there. Does that make sense? Does Absolutely. my question make sense? What is it that made you feel comfortable exactly? Okay, I'll go first. Um, I remember one turning point for me I when it was the transition of fear to comfort. So in fear, it was me. What can I do? What can I do? What am I doing? And then you very quickly learn that you don't have control and you can't get things to go the way that you go. So there was a surrender. Sure. I remember as a wife and mom, I prayed like, please help me make this, make it through this. Please let me survive. But if you don't, but if your choice is not that I survive, that was my moment of surrender. I know, like I have known God since I was eight years old. So I've had a long walk with him. And I know the love that he has for me. And I've felt it throughout life over and over again. And even in this journey with cancer, I've felt him. But I had to surrender as well because I know that his answer is not always that we get to stay. And so knowing the love that he has for me, and as a parent, you get to experience a love of a parent. You get, yeah. you get to experience what it's like to love a child. So I have learned what what love looks like as a parent. So I knew that as faulty as a mom and wife that I have been in sometimes, or as amazing as I think I might be in sometimes, that if I didn't make it through this journey, that God loves me and loves my family so much that whoever came along afterwards was going to be able to love my kids and my husband way better than me because I believed in the love that God has for me and yeah. my family. That gave me peace. That was the transition of fear to comfort for me was just surrendering, knowing that I had no control over things. As far as what it felt like, it felt like a weight being lifted off of your shoulders. I didn't have to do everything because he was going to be there with me and working through each issue as it came up. The things that kind of helped me and reassured assured me were things like when we went to our first appointment and there, the CT scan came back clear. And then the next thing came back clear, MRI came back clear. And then, you know, there was no uh, spreading. It hadn't spread anywhere, so it was localized. So those were little affirmations. People's prayers just touched touched my heart and kept peace around me and I believe as far as explaining the bubble when you realize that your life is falling apart and you don't have control over it and you get to the point of surrender 
because you know you can't do anything anyway. And then I think that's when God just kind of shows up and shows off and he fills you with this peace. You feel light even though you know you shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, you know that you have family or you have people depending on you and you don't know what the future looks like and there's no reason to really feel that peace but it's there and it's undeniable and it's kind of like you don't care about anything else like as a mom you're you know most moms are kind of worriers I'm I'm a worrier there's things that I worry about all the time and I just didn't care like yeah and, and so that's the type of peace like there's you feel freedom you feel light and you just don't care about all the things that you used to care because they don't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you've been given new eyes and you see the world clear. And it's just moment by moment becomes so precious and amazing. And you feel like, have I been blind this entire time? Because we get hung up on so many little things that just really do not matter anymore. So that's kind of what the piece felt like for me so let my husband elaborate if if peace felt if the bubble felt like something a little bit different for him it was tim it was definitely a fairly gradual yet quick moment and uh i'm you know the reality is i was a hobby christian up until the whole diagnosis and and by that I mean, it, I think I like the idea of being a Christian, and it, I like going to church, and I like the concepts, and but I don't think I really felt the need to to have God just be the Lord. Sure. And um, with that said, I was the Lord of my life. I mean, there's really there's only one Lord, right? So I like I like being in control, and I was really good at it. I was really good at my job. I was really good at doing anything, really. I mean, mm-hmm. I was I was on top of the world. So that moment of peace, that's not, that I cannot bring to myself. I mean, I'm just a silly human. I cannot bring peace to myself. Yeah. So it was, it was that turning when I had to shed that reliance on myself, when I had to realize I'm just leaving it, uh, I relied on the wrong, wrong, wrong things in life. And I had to give it all to God. I had to give it all to God. And one of the, for some reason, like what it was, maybe it was Thanksgiving Day. One of the things just kept going through my head was like, I just need to, I just need to confess. Like I need to almost, I need to confess. I'm sorry, I need to uh, profess my faith, mm-hmm. even though because I was, it was a hobby Christian. Because I had my hobby, for, you know, community, right, in, in church. But a lot of times, I guess my other community, whether it was work or of any other acquaintances from college i don't feel like i think i was hiding almost like did not feel comfortable about my hobby yeah. so i i had this huge nudge in my heart like i need to just say it the way the way i could say it and the way i did it was through social media i guess it was the easiest way to tell yeah uh, to tell to, to the world i just said it the way it was just that i'm i'm giving it all to god i'm giving it all to god and it just it just felt so good, yeah, so good, so peaceful. And I was fasting too. I started fasting for four or five days, just I think just doing water, and I just felt as close to God as I ever did at that moment. And I felt once fast was over, and then she started coming. All these results started coming back, and 
I was just, I was like, man, God is crazy good to me. I don't know why, because mm. it felt like, I guess I just, uh, you know, he, he had a pity on me. Uh, he's like, I'm going to give you this lesson, but I'll let you keep your life the way it is, more or less, but without shaking it up too much. It's better. <laughs> it's better, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. I think the one thing, one thing that I want to mention is that that going back to my original prayer, when I feel like God gave me a, a big prayer, yeah, is that I would be healed before I ever had any chemo. Sure. We had just, I remember we just pulled out of the doctor's office from my first round of chemo. And our doctor called us. She could tell, I mean, she was a mom. She just had a a young child as well. So I think she had sympathy on us. So she updated us a little bit more than probably what was normal. So we're leaving the doctor's office and she called and said, your numbers are below four, which my marker for choriocarcinoma is the the, uh, pregnancy hormone, the HCG. Mm -hmm. So I was already cancer free. And I remember thinking back, I mean, I just left the doctor's office, had just had my first round of chemo. Like it just went into my body. It didn't even have a chance to start doing anything. Sure. And my doctor calls us and says, your levels are normal. Uh, We're going to go ahead and give you three precautionary rounds of chemo just to make sure we get all the micro cells. And I just looked at Andre, like immediately the prayer came back and I thought, you did it, God. No one can take this away from you. Like, yeah. what an amazing thing that he allowed us to be a part of. Like, he did it, you know, medicine, even like my husband was saying earlier, such a difference of what we were being told. Because our friends were in the South and we're up North and everyone has a different opinion, but sure. no one could take that away from, from the story. Like, I was cancer free before I had a chance to even let chemo work. Yeah. So did you continue and get the other two rounds? There's a precautionary rounds first before you answer. It's incredible to hear, obviously any kind of miracle like that. You see stories all the time of, of people that are fighting cancer and things like that and going through treatment and things. And, you know, they have big prayers, Lord, just heal me, use whatever means necessary. Mm -hmm. And your prayer was even so much bigger and just Lord, just before I even need chemo and to see that prayer answered is incredible. So with having that prayer answered, did you continue to do the, the treatment knowing that, Hey, this is what they've recommended. And I want to you know, stay within the confines of also medical doctors and their expertise and all of those things as well? Yes. So we did, we were recommended by the the lead researcher to have two more, because I had just done that first one, but to have two more precautionary rounds. And then I remember being disappointed because I thought like, okay, I'm done. But then he recommended it, and we talked about it, and I mean, yeah, we feel like God led us to this place for a specific reason, and I completely don't feel like it's lack of faith to see the blessing of of certain doctors or certain medicines. Uh, In our story, everyone has 
has their own story, but I just felt like God's hand was on it from the beginning. So we did. We took the recommendation, and we thank God that we were able to to have all the medicine right at our fingertips to to heal, to help my body heal from what it had just gone through. So, yeah. Excellent. I think one thing that I do want to say is how cancer has changed us. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone, this will sound interesting, everyone in my family who has passed on has passed on from cancer. So I'm very familiar with cancer, but going through it ourselves, like I just, our hearts have been like ripped open for anyone dealing with cancer Mm -hmm. and having gone through it ourselves, we're able to connect with people and to feel, to, to feel God work through that and to help encourage. So we have, we have had many people in our lives be affected by cancer and I mean it's weekly that I'm praying for somebody with cancer or I'm trying to send messages to encourage and I don't think I would have been that way prior to cancer even though I have a family that is just you know been so affected by it I wasn't this way until it happened to us and I just feel like God has called us to a different journey where we are able to connect with people who are specifically going through this because of our journey, because of our heartache, and because of the just the experience that we've had. Even though it is a it is an overall good one, it's just allowed us to be able to be so much more sensitive and so much more compassionate and loving, yeah. and and see the the need and the desire to help those that are going through something very similar of what we've gone through. So I feel like God has called us to kind of come alongside families and help in any way that, that we can and just love on people that are, yeah. that are going through this. Well, I'm a testament to that <laughs> just because of the message that Andre sent me literally on the same day Caitlin had first surgery. Mm-hmm. And here we are, yes. you know, four years later. And I consider you guys some of my closest friends and yes. love spending time with y'all. So it's very evident that the Lord has called you to to be that for people. I see it. I know other people see it as well. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm in a similar way, have been able to love on people that have gone through difficult situations. And recently I, I sat down with someone who had lost a spouse and just was able to hug her and, you know, pray with her and... She asked me, how do you do it? Like, how do you go forward from here? And I just explained to her that I know in the moment it doesn't seem like the Lord has a plan. Absolutely. But I can look back now and see him weaving this. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm able to sit with you today and to hug you and to pray with you and to just spend time with you in a way that no one else really can because they haven't lost a spouse. Mm -hmm. And I know that he's using that pain that I went through and it makes it all worth it. Absolutely. It makes it all worth it. Would I do it again? I don't know. (laughs) I can't, I can't honestly say that I would, but to know that 
this ultimately was his plan was for Caitlin's legacy to live on through me being able to sit down and tell them, tell people who she was and tell them about her faith and to tell them that the Lord does have a plan, even when it seems like he does it, it made it all worth it. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Mm. And for us, yeah, for us, I mean, it's a different story, right? Sure. But definitely changed us for the better, opened our eyes and made us aware of how precious life is. We get wrapped up in our worries and what's going on in the world and life and kids and everything. And I think it just makes it where sometimes we have blinders on and it takes a moment like this. It takes something, a tragedy or sometimes just a close close call to really I say with our experience that God called us out into the desert because he wanted to get our attention because like I said we went to (laughs) a new town had a new baby uh, you know just kind of on our own and uh, then you know things happened and we had we had God to rely on and that was that's what we needed I mean yeah he called us out and he got our attention and nothing's been the same since so it's been it's been a beautiful experience for us there are lots of things you said even prior your new normal yeah and I remember waiting so long to get back to normal and let me tell you there's no getting back there is also that surrender of accepting what is cancer changes your body like crazy and even when you do survive it, there's things that are just so changed that you have to learn to to love what you've been given a chance to have still. So life is, is forever different, and it's just a continual learning experience and journey yeah. of, of just moving forward and being grateful and thankful and remembering what's important and, and how beautiful life is. Would you like to add anything? <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll quote um, one of the wise men that lives on this earth, um, John Piper. He said okay. That, he said the most dangerous thing in the world is the sin of self-reliance and the stupor of worldliness. The news of cancer has a wonderfully blasting effect on both. I thank God for that. As much as I wish it was my words and not just in the way that I said them, but in the way that I felt them. Yeah. Um, God definitely transformed me, and I think I'm, I think I'm pretty close to, to this mindset as it is yeah. right now. So to all, to all the listeners, to anybody who's going through highs and lows right now, you know, you can, you know, we've, we've heard the words, you know, it says in the Bible, you know, we don't own the, the breath, and but it just sometimes feels like it's it's for somebody else. Yeah. It's not, but but the reality is, it's we're literally just a moment away from that crazy moment in life that will change you up, change your world upside down. And if anything, I know we were talking about lessons and things we could have done differently. I, I man, there's only one rock that we should be standing on, and it it is it is Christ. It is it is the Lord that. Cancer is nothing, right? Cancer is just one silly little bug compared yeah. to the the rock. 
and the true foundation. Well, thanks, guys. You are so welcome. Thank, Thank you, you, Tim. That's Sorry, it was a beautiful time together. And our first time to really shout it out, I guess. We've always kind of held it in or shared it, is, it yeah, shared it intimately with people. Actually, when you guys were going through what you're going through, I was like, she shouts it from the rooftop. And here I've kept everything in. And I feel like it's really our first time to share it and to to give glory where it belongs. I've never denied that, but we've never shouted it from the rooftop. Thanks to Sandy and Andre for being so open and transparent with us. I'm so happy to provide a platform for them to shout it from the rooftop. I love how God uses every situation and everything that we experience for our good and his glory. And I think that's very evident in their story. Thanks again to you for listening. We'll be off next week, and we'll see you right here in two weeks for the season finale of season two. Just in case you weren't aware, It Doesn't Look Good is sponsored entirely by Hope Against Hope. If you haven't taken the time to check out our website yet, you can do that at hopeagainsthope.com. And please consider making a tax-deductible donation while you're there. Every dollar donated goes directly to people that have life-threatening illnesses and to make sure we can continue to provide that much-needed financial relief. Thanks.